Welcome to Scanner School, Session 1. Welcome to the Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and I want to welcome you to the very first episode of Scanner School. Before I jump into my background and who I am, I would like to say welcome and thank you for being on the other end of this podcast. The goal of Scanner School is to answer all of your questions about the scanner radio hobby. You see, each week I'll be here to cover a different topic related to scanning and radios. And we'll talk about the differences, for example, simplex and repeaters. We'll go through what PL tones are, frequencies, antenna systems, coax, and even different trunk radio systems. We'll go into details of Motorola trunking and how they're different from, say, EDAX and LTR. We'll discuss rebanding and what effects it had on scanning. We'll even talk about the new digital modes, such as P25 and DMR, also known as Moto Turbo. So again, this is just a very short list of things I would like to uh, cover on future episodes of Scanner School. So let me just say, if you're new to the hobby, welcome. And if you've been away from the hobby and you're finding yourself coming back, I want to say, welcome back. And if you're very active into the hobby, I want to say thank you for spending some time with me. And I hope that you will reach out and, uh, and maybe one day be a guest on this podcast. So today is January 2nd, 2018, and it's a very exciting day for me. And I hope it's also a very exciting day for you. Because for those of you listening in the future, today marks the launch of the Scanner School podcast and, of course, Scanner School website. So as I stated in my intro statement, my name is Phil Lichtenberger. I've been around radios almost my entire life. If you can't tell from my accent, I was born and raised, and I spent most of my life in Long Island, New York. So if we go back to about the time I was born, my father worked in a two-way radio shop. And before he met my mother, he was into radio. He was at my grandparents' house, and, and he was doing CB back then. You know, He needed a license at the time for CB. And uh, he had his amateur radio uh, license. And again, that wasn't those weren't the days where you could just walk in to your local amateur radio club. You know, he had to go into the city and, and, and go, uh, I believe it was like an FCC bureau building, if I remember the story correctly. And, and that's where he had to go to, to take his, uh, his amateur radio license. So I guess in a way you can say, you know, radio is in my blood. To me, growing up, my earliest memories include being at my grandparents' house and watching the red lights dance from left to right and, and, and flying by in the rolled Bearcat 101. And if I close my eyes, I can still see standing in their U-shaped kitchen above the microwave and to the left of one of those phones that would hang on the wall with the long receiver line so you can go halfway across the house and trying to gain some privacy while you're on the phone. That's where that 
Bearcat One Hundred One lived, and I, I wanted. I mean, I was a kid, you know, and and, and I just wanted to reach up and just hit the switches on it, right? I mean, that, that's what kids do. But I just remember being at my grandparents' house, and and you know, my brother and I would would play with the the, the toy trucks or whatever is what we would do. You know, on the living room floor, or be later at night, and my aunt would I, you know, we'd watch New York Islander games. That's where I was introduced not only to, you know, to a lot of other things, but you know, hockey as well. And uh, it was it was a great time to be into New York Islanders because that's you know they came a dynasty, right? The four four cups in a row was about the time when when I was introduced to them. And if we weren't watching ice hockey, then you know my grandparents would have the TV on. And they would be watching, you know, Leave It to Beaver or My Favorite Martian or whatever else Nick at Night had in rotation in the in the early '80s. And I tell you, every time I look at my own Bearcat 101 sitting on my shelf, I I'm taken back, and I remember those days at, at being at my grandparents' house. So before those days, though, my father worked at a marine shop in Freeport, New York. So in addition to selling, you know, Shakespeare ugly sticks and and other kinds of marine radios, they sold crystals. So back in the days before synthesized radios, you would pop a crystal into your uh, into your receiver or your transmitter, and that's what set you on frequency, right? That's that was that was it. Somebody who wanted to listen to something on a scanner or or or, or change a frequency in the radio, where they would walk in and they'd see the guy behind the counter which in this case would be my dad, and say, hey, I want to listen to VHF Marine Channel 16. And, you know, he'd go in the back of the shelf, and he'd pull out a crystal that was cut for VHF Channel 16. Or somebody would walk in and say, hey, I want to listen to the police department, I want to listen to the fire department. And, and again, back in those days, there really wasn't a lot of frequencies as there are today. And uh, it was pretty easy to find the crystals you wanted because the guys knew what sold in the area, and they would keep it in stock. So... You didn't really need to know, hey, I need to listen to something, you know, 156.8 or, or uh, you know, 33.9 or whatever it is, the frequency that, that you wanted. The shop clerk normally knew what you were talking about. And um funny thing about that is my dad still has in his garage, he's got those dirty, dusty, tinted baby food jars to the brim, you know, of, of crystals. And... Um, it's funny to see them there, right? But it's uh, a reminder, right? How technology changes. And, and, and back in those days, you had a radio that, that held four channels, eight channels, 16 channels, and that was that was plenty, right? Fast forward, right? We'll jump over the time at my grandparents' house and, and, and where we're talking about now with my dad. But as years go by, right, scanners change. And eventually, my dad had swapped out the crystal receivers for synthesized receivers, uh, basically, what that means is it allows you to somehow put the frequencies in without the need for crystals, whether it be with uh, like the Bearcat 101 by setting the dip switches on the front and hitting the program button and locking in the channel. Uh, and then eventually, you know, things become what they are today, where you have a digital interface with a keypad and, and you can pop the frequency in using the keypad. And again, you know, times change too, and you can also use computers these days too, right? But. Um, my dad had all these receivers, and and I can go through boxes at his house or some boxes even at my house because things seem to migrate from his place to my place. 
and and I can open up a box and I can find a couple of crystal receivers in there. I can find a couple of the early synthesized receivers and I can find, you know, maybe a Bearcat 210 in there or something like that or a Patrolman. You know, it's it's amazing what you open a box. You can just look at the history of the way things evolved in there. And um, that's just the way that I grew up. So fast forward, uh, we'll get into like the early 90s, okay? So I'm, I'm in my early teens at that point and... My uncle somehow he came in, into possession of a Bearcat 200 XLT, and, and here's my dad, and, and he's still, you know, he's still using the old technology, right? My uncle and I we went out and we bought him his own 200 XLT for his birthday one year, and when I say that my uncle and I went out and bought it, what I mean is, I went with my uncle for the car ride when he went out and bought the radio for my for my dad, and uh, this is great, you know, my dad goes from a you know, what was it, 16 channel radio or 20 channel radio, whatever it is he was operating with, to this 200 channel handheld radio that had a battery pack in it. And at that time, you know, 200 channels was more than enough, or close to more than enough. But I swear, looking at what I know my dad had in that radio, because I would um, <clears throat> borrow it <laughs> uh, from time to time, I, I think he really only had 10 channels in it. That, that he programmed. But I think my dad knew that I was using it, using his radio. And uh, it was about the time that he got the gift from my uncle and I that, that he passed on to me uh, my very own first scanner, which was dated. It was a Fannin Courier Slim Scan 6HLU, which is a handheld, I believe, 8-channel crystal receiver and I would just spend hours you know digging through the baby jars of crystals and 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 popping them in and moving them from the high spot to the low spot to find out if something else would come in and and just seeing you know what I would get out of that so what I want to do is um I want to get more involved or 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 more in depth into the evolution of radios and scanning and receiving but I'm going to move on right now, and, and we'll go back to this topic on a future episode of, uh, of Scanner School. Mid-90s, I guess, uh, my dad had convinced my mom to, to study for her ham radio license. And these were the days right before everybody had a cell phone. Right now you think everybody had a cell phone, but you know it was, it was time, right? BC, right? Before cell phones. And what you would do is you would use an auto patch to call home. And basically what that means was... You would have your your radio and, and you would punch in a sequence on the repeater system or simplex where it was set up and it would open up this auto patch and basically what that meant was it would take a phone receiver or a landline off the hook and then you could punch in the phone number and you'd be connected, you'd be bridged in. So somebody would be at home and they'd be on the phone and, and you'd be in the car or wherever else you were on, on the amateur radio and you'd be able to just you know, touch base, hey, I'm stuck in traffic, or do you want me to pick up, you know, something on the way home, or somebody, and, um, and I think that might have been the catalyst for my mom getting her ham radio license, and I remember her just studying for it, to the point where she knew it, question, answer, question, answer, question, answer, so she goes, and she also went with a family friend of ours, and 
my mom and, and our family friend both got their amateur radio license. So my brother and I were like, well, if mom can do it, we can do it. We both go and, and only my brother passes his test. I failed. The next month I go and we go with, the, with um, a family, another family friend who's actually the son of the person my mom had gone with. And um, the two of us pass our test. And then the following month, my uncle goes with another family friend and, and they pass their test. So it was really a great time for us to get involved with amateur radio. We had people we knew that we were comfortable with, family and, and friends and people we spend time with. And we all got involved with, with amateur radio and and it allowed us to, to get comfortable and, and, and talk and, um, uh, you know, really get involved, I guess you could say. And I guess by saying getting involved, my brother and I, we we were discovering other things on, on, on the amateur radio. And one of the things that we had discovered was there was a local club, which was the, or is the Long Island mobile amateur radio club. And they had a junior operators net. So basically what that meant was it was amateur radio operators who were in school, grade school, junior high or uh, high school. And they would, get together once a month and have a meeting and, and you know we go out for lunch afterwards and, and that kind of stuff but it was it was great I mean it was people who were my brother's age and my age and even a little bit older that had an interest in radio so it was nice to have people that we were able to associate with and and and, uh, and you know form friendships with that had the same weird radio interest that we kind of had right because it's not a normal thing for for really a kid to to want to get involved with this stuff right so um you know eventually with kids being kids and all that that um people would see you know how how far they would go with or one up each other right so my brother went and 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 he he passed his morse code test and that allowed him to upgrade his license to a technician plus and that allowed him to get onto HF. Me, on the other hand, I, I, I still can't get the dits and the dots, and I'm trying, and I keep going back to it. So, um, yeah, I was one of those no-code techs, and um, I'm now one of those no-code general. But uh, it's on my bucket list. I really, I still want to learn uh, Morse code because I really feel like it would explode my... my uh, my interest in amateur radio and, and, and going to these field day events or something like that and, and sitting in the CW tents and, and listening to these people copy code, it, it's, I, I wish I could do that. It's, it's like sitting in and listening to another language and saying, I wish I could be part of the conversation, you know. But um, again, the nice thing too about the junior operators was it gave uh, us the ability to find mentors, I guess is a good way to say it. My uncle, like I said, would drive us up to these meetings and my uncle and some of the other parents and, and some of the other people who were involved in the club, they became our Elmers, uh, which basically means they're a mentor, somebody who would teach us about amateur radio. Right. Again, I want to get more into the ham radio stuff in, in future episodes. So we'll, we'll, 
We'll talk more about that. I'm not going to keep this, you know, I don't want you guys to think, oh, it's scanner school, but it's all about amateur radio. It's, that's, not, that's not really why I'm here. Another net that I had found while I was moving up around and, and trying to find new things on the amateur radio to listen to was there was another local net once a week, and I believe it was called Monitoring the Sounds of Long Island. And it was a play on words for the Long Island Sound. And for the, those of you who don't know the geographical area here, the Long Island Sound is the body of water that's to the north of Long Island and to the south of Connecticut. And basically it's between Long Island and Connecticut. It's the Long Island Sound. So the sounds of Long Island was basically a scanner radio net. And uh, I would sit there, you know, and listen to it. And I, I had my pen and my notebook and I'd write down everything I'd hear. And it became very obvious that my, you know, my crystal receiver wasn't going to cut it anymore, right? So I also discovered at around the same time that there was a swap and shop net. And again, swap and shop uh, net would be people listing things for sale or um, looking for something. And again, you know, days before the internet and eBay and that kind of stuff, you just jump online and find what you wanted to find. Um, it was a great way for me to find something local and somebody was selling a BC 200 XLT and I jumped on it. I remember sitting there and with the new radio and, and, and just going through the notebook again and I stole my dad's police call book when, when he wasn't home and I would just turn the pages and write down what I wanted to listen to in, 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 the, in the notebook and break them up by frequencies and banks and spent hours programming this BC 200 XLT and then I wouldn't like it. And then, you know, you, you'd wipe it out and you'd start all over again. And it was, it was, it was work. I mean, you had to go in there and program in 200 channels and me, you know, with the police call book, I want to listen to everything. So I had that thing full, but that brought on another problem because you don't know what you're listening to, right? These are the days before alpha tags. So it was really nice to have that, notebooks set aside go oh channel 61 was that's the loyal railroad uh mta police or, or channel 100 was whatever it was and you know it, it's before you had alpha tags you'd have to memorize the frequency or you'd have to learn to listen for the dispatcher and and, and you know eventually the more you listen to it the more you pick up on it but it's 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 as a as you're starting off you know it's it's a lot to to get used to i was getting to the point where that 200 XLT wasn't cutting it anymore. And I had seen somewhere, you know, the the BC 780 XLT. And I remember thinking, I got to have that. And I know a lot of people felt the same way. And I think some people feel the same way today that you got to have a 780 XLT, which I eventually got. But at the time, I waited and I waited and I waited. And I finally ended up with a BC 785D which had a 1,000 memory channels as opposed to uh, the 500, and it had a slightly different layout on the keypad, and it also had the ability to pop in a card, which costs almost as much as a scanner, and that allowed you to listen to some P25 transmissions. Not P25 trunking, just P25 modulated audio, or P25 audio. And I learned very quickly that there was stuff in that radio I had no idea what I was looking at. And like, what is Motorola trunking? What is LTR? And what is EDAX? And I was lost. And, you know, there was a learning curve. Like, what's, 
what is LT, um, the logical channel numbering, and, and, and why does it make a, a, a difference as to how I program the radio, and why am I not picking this up, and 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 why is uh, what's the difference between Motorola Type One, Type Two, and is this a splinter site? Do I need a band plan? Do I need this? And that's kind of why I'm here now. It's like I I really wish I had somebody helping me at that time where you know I was really getting into it and um you know I I still remember being being in that position where I I desperately wanted to to learn more about this radio and and how it worked and and um and I'm here hopefully to to help somebody else who's in that same position right now so so I'll fast forward a little bit and shortly after getting married in 2003 and buying my own house and putting up my own antennas and, and, and getting my own, you know, little radio corners at my own house that um, I decided I want to be able to listen to these the, the local stuff at work. And these were the days before Broadcastify and, and uh, you know, everybody having an app in their pocket you know, when when you put your radio online, there wasn't really much much help out there. There wasn't an app, and, and there was a very you know crude tutorial on how to do it. And and um, when word got out locally that I was streaming the local fire department, the local county on, on the internet, I mean, people were like, "What's the website name? Where is it located? How do I get involved?" So, you know, in 2005, I launched my first website called w2lie.net, and it quickly grew to over 10,000 members, and I've added, I can't tell you how many scanner streams I have on there right now, but uh, for those of you who are wondering, yes, w2lie, that is my amateur radio or ham radio call sign. And it's a vanity call, and uh, if you can't tell by the LIE, it's it's uh, the Long Island Expressway. So it's a vanity call. I, I had an N2 call, and when I moved, and I, I applied with the FCC to update my address. Fortunately, it updated my call sign. If I had to pay to go back to my N2 call, I said, well, I might as well get something that is u- not unique, but something that means something to me and my roots, and... LIE was available, so I, I jumped on W2LIE, and uh, anybody who I talk to knows right away, you know, from the area that LIE is the Long Island Expressway, so it's a good call. I'm happy with it. Plus, if I ever learn how to use Morse code, I mean, it, it's it's it should be pretty easy to send. So more about me and, and my radio interests is um, I, I was known for my website, W2LIE.net, and I was approached by somebody at Nassau County Aries or Amateur Radio Emergency Services to build a website for them. So in building a website for Nassau County Aries, I then became involved as the public information officer. And then I got pulled in to be the deputy chief radio officer for Nassau County Races, which required me to be a member of Nassau County CERT. I was the net manager for Nassau County VHF Traffic Net, which is a division of the AWRL or ARRL National Traffic System. I've been involved with Nassau County Skywarn and the Skywarn system, and uh, I've helped teach a few classes on 
on uh, getting uh, certified as a spotter. And uh, I've also taught a, uh, a class or two on uh, home weather stations. I also helped the Nassau County Emergency Communications Radio Group set up their D-Star repeater for VHF and UHF. And for a very, very short time, I was certified for a uh, to be a VE or a volunteer examiner. But I've never had the opportunity to administer any exams. As time goes, right, things change. And, and one of the things I love about radio is all the different things you can do with it. And not only all the things you can do with just radios in general, but all the things you can do with amateur radio. I've been interested in packet radio. And then I became interested in APRS. And I became interested in... Uh, working satellites and the International Space Station and, and uh, SSTV. And when I got my journal ticket, I got hooked on sideband voice on HF. But again, we'll talk about a lot of this stuff in, in future episodes of, of Scanner School. So as time takes by like it always does, I um, I was getting a lot of questions about scanning uh from uh you know just a lot of people in general who knew what i was doing as far as the the online stuff and and the amateur radio stuff and in 2009 i believe the year was and i could be wrong here but i was asked to give a scanner radio presentation at a local amateur radio club or local amateur radio event called ham radio university and uh it was a packed room i mean i was i was shocked so I've been asked every year since to come back and give a a scanner radio presentation. So uh, I've I've expanded it. I give now two uh, two classes, uh, an intro and an advanced class. And for those of you listening to this uh, at launch date, I will be there this Saturday, January sixth, to again present my intro in the advanced class. Eventually, again, people know what I'm doing and, and they know what I'm involved with and they start coming to me, hey, do you program scanners? Do you sell scanners? Can you give me a help? Can you pick out an antenna for me? This started becoming uh, a business. And in 2010, I started up an S-Corp. I named it Monitor Long Island Inc. And that became the business side of the hobby. And now Monitor Long Island Inc. is the parent company for not only W2LAE.net, but also another website around called LongIslandFirePhotos.com. And in 2017, I spun off, or I, I hit a pivot point, and I started selling, uh, well, years before this pivot point, I was, I was selling pagers, but the paging business started to require a little bit more attention. So in 20, 2017, I uh, filed for a DBA or doing business as in, in the state of New York and launched eastcoastpagers.com. And eastcoastpagers.com is, um, we sell unication paging products and Swiss phone paging products. And also unofficially, we sell uh, Apollo stuff too, but I don't have anything on the, on the website. But uh, so yeah, I sell those three paging products. And again, that ties into... The scanning, because it's another way of receiving what's going on. And again, we'll talk in future episodes about 
how pagers work and and uh, with fire pagers and, and and the tone systems and whatnot but you take something like a unication g5 or a g4 which is a p25 receiver and it can it can blow scanners away with with the ability to work on um uh simulcast systems where some some scanners just have issues with the simulcasting and the g5 works phenomenal so I'm very happy to not only be able to to sell scanners and 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 our pagers and and whatnot, but uh, uh, you know, bringing in this podcast into the mix and, and starting Scanner School, it's it seems like a real good um, next pivot for me because because I really, as much as it's nice to have a business, uh, I'm finding that I'm I'm not spending as much time enjoying the hobby the way I used to. And not only enjoying the hobby as far as listening to to radio, but being there to teach somebody, to be somebody's mentor or, or an Elmer, Elmer, so to speak. That's something that I really enjoy doing. And that's why I'm doing this, right? I want to be able to reach out and, and, and help somebody else who needs help or just wants to learn more about the, the scanner radio hobby and doesn't want to go through... A written word or, or or website to try and find something because the nice thing too about the podcast is you could take it with you on the go and you can listen to this in the car you can listen to it while you're out jogging or, or or working out or you know leave it on the background i mean i i i got hooked on podcasts this past year in, in 2017 and that's why i'm doing this now with a podcast instead of doing it online in, in written written word that I sit there at work on my nine to five and I, I just have podcasts on and I'm while I'm working, I'm, I'm learning something new at the same time. So to me, podcasting is a great way to, to teach and explain and, um, to, to get information from one person to another. So I'm, I'm really hoping that this takes off and I need to know you're out there. I need to know that I'm, I'm connecting with you. So, what I'd really love for you to do is is come on to scannerschool.com and sign up for our email list. And one of the very first emails that will go out will be a um, a questionnaire, and it's going to ask you what type of scanner listen you are. Right? Are you new to scanning, or do you th- have you been scanning years ago but have dropped the hobby and are coming back, or are you in you know, a self-proclaimed expert. I, I would like to know a little bit about you and, and, and I'll follow that email up with uh, an open-ended question like, you know, tell me more about you. Tell me more about who you are and, and how I can help you or, you know, do you want to be on the show? And and, and I, I would love to hear your stories. I'm sure other people would too. Like, you know, what do you do with radios and, and, and how does that fit into your life? So let me know, you know, that, that, that you're there and, and what you're looking for, and I'd, I'd love to help you out. Um, but the one thing that, again, I would I would love to say is is help me out is by going onto iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or however it is that you get this podcast onto your device and um, leave me a review and subscribe. That that would definitely help us out, and again, it would motivate me to see that there's people who are subscribing to uh, to the podcast. But if you're um, like 2016 me and, and have no idea what a podcast is or don't even have an iPod and, and have no way of listening, you can always go to scannerschool.com and we'll have an embedded link 
on the website to listen to the podcast as well. So you don't necessarily need to have um, a device in your pocket to listen to this. You can listen to it right from uh, the internet as well on a, on a webpage. And and my goal is every Tuesday to, to deliver a new a new session or a new episode to you. So uh, with that, I want to say thank you so much for spending some time with me. I hope that um, you know the last thirty minutes or so have been uh, informative and, and have have given you a little bit of a, a background on who I am and why I'm here and and what I hope this podcast becomes. I have. I have a nice long list of topics that I would like to talk about. And again, not every podcast is going to be a 30-minute. I, I would think that I can deliver the content in bite-sized pieces. I don't want to bore anybody. I want to go too too deep into something that um, I, I start turning people off. So there might be a session or two that may run only 5 or 10 minutes. And that will be a complete session or a lesson. But again, you can always find us. Again, at scannerschool.com or, um, again, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. And I look forward to delivering another uh, another session to you next week. So with that, I'm going to say 73, which means best regards. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Scanner School podcast. Be sure to visit www.scannerschool.com to access the show notes and bonus content.